The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Women to Watch is an intimate look into the lives of prominent and influential women leaders from around the world and the challenges they faced on their journey. It's the real story behind her title. Join us every week to hear more stories about women from around the world and in your own communities at womentowatch.net. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's so great to be here, especially after a week away. Uh, it was a wonderful trip, but I'm always excited to get back to work and bring you another inspirational story um, from a woman doing incredible work. This week, uh, we have a great show for you. And joining me in just a moment will be Dr. Wendy LeBourne. Wendy is a clinical communications coach. So we're gonna be talking all about her work also as an author and a speaker and a scientist and how she helps um, men and women from all backgrounds. Uh, later in the show, you'll hear from Sherry Morrison for our Lifestyle Watch segment, and she's going to be with Lynn, uh, excuse me, Lindsay Smith, who is an artist. Um, she is an ALS advocate, and she is also an entrepreneur. You'll also hear from Carol Eggert, as always, for our weekly Military Watch segment, and you'll see a beautiful promotional video from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So now I'm very honored and excited to welcome to the show, Dr. Wendy LeBourne. How are you? It's so nice to be on here. Thanks for having me. Hello, Wendy. It's great to have you. Um, joining us from Ohio, Cincinnati, mm -hmm. just so our viewers know where you are. Absolutely. And I um, I wanted to start to um, the, the show and, and talk a little bit about your upbringing and your background. And one of the things that you shared with me was what a wonderful support system you had growing up from both your parents, um, a sister, 
in your life. And I wanted you to just kind of think back to that time and talk about why having that kind of support system is so impactful um, for the fullness of your life. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, first of all, growing up, um, I was incredibly fortunate and blessed to have parents that were actively involved maybe not helicopter parents, but involved in my life and supporting me and my dreams and goals, no matter maybe at the time how crazy they might have seemed to my parents. Um, and then, you know, having a sister who was also super driven in a very different area than myself, teachers who supported my ideas and my goals. Um, I think just being in education and living in education to have somebody who doesn't shoot down your ideas is, is just so huge. And having mentors who truly have allowed me to grow as a person, make mistakes, mm. pick me up from those mistakes, put me back on the right path or point me in the right direction, or at least a different direction. Um, and supported me along that journey because I know that I certainly wouldn't have been able to do or be where I am without those people in my life for sure. Yeah, I, I always find it so fascinating, you know, having done this for over 10 years, there's a commonality among the women I interview that will share that there was someone in their life that believed in them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, well, I'm going to let you describe what that means. What is it about having someone say, I believe in you no matter your aspirations um, that Gil gives you confidence? Builds your self-esteem. Uh, yeah, I think, first of all, I think it's even beyond belief. Like somebody loves me no matter if I fail or if I succeed. I think that's just that huge net of going, okay, go be brave. Because I think brave and stupid walk a fine line sometimes. And I'm not always <laughs> sure which side I live on, the brave or the stupid side. But um, <laughs> to, I think... First of all, watching my parents, my dad was, um, you know, I was born at Walter Reed Medical Center in DC. My dad was in the army as a physical therapist at the time. Um, my mom was a teacher and a coach and then was also a, got her master's in counseling. So my dad, they wanted to go back and be where both their moms were, which is in Delaware. My dad's originally from the South Philadelphia area. My mom is from Delaware. So not too far from where your show is. That's yeah. where I grew up. Yeah. Um, but both their moms uh, were widowed. And so they wanted to be part of fam family has been very important in my life growing up and, and hopefully to my boys now. Um, so being able to have that support system. Um, but I watched my dad as an entrepreneur be a solo private practice physical therapist. You know, my mom was his office manager. My sister and I, from the time we were little, little, we folded towels in the office. I have been the front desk scheduler. I have done billing and collection. I mean, it was a family affair. So I think I didn't realize it at the time as a young person, but I think my parents took a huge risk to be able to build that life for us. And they supported both my sister and I in making some huge risks. My career was one that actually didn't really exist right. um, when I started doing this 25 years ago. And I said, okay, this is what I want my path to be. I want to be a physical therapist, but for vocal athletes, because mm -hmm. voice has been my most important thing in my life. And it really didn't quite exist in the way it does today. And I was so fortunate to have parents that said, 
go, go do this, go figure this out. We will support you. And maybe one of my favorite stories, um, I have a, a bachelor's degree in musical theater from uh, Shenandoah Conservatory in Virginia. And I think my parents would have enjoyed me doing anything but being a musical theater major. There's not a ton of jobs. <laughs> it's frightening for parents. You yes. Know, my, my goal from the time I was little was like be on Broadway. And right. I'm just not in the way that I thought I was going to be. Um, but I remember near my graduation, my dad gave me actually a can of Franks and beans, like truly like a can of, of Franks and beans. And he said to me, he said, when this is your last meal, you need to start thinking about a different career. Um, and I actually still have that. Oh my um, gosh, you held on to the can. rotted out at this point, but um, it serves <laughs> as a reminder for me of kind of the trajectory and, and what this all looks like. Well, certainly performers um, face a lot of rejection in their life, right? So, you know, you're you're trying out and, and you're, you know, trying to land roles. And um, you mentioned, you know, in, in some notes that those multiple reject, excuse me, rejections also prepared you for life. Talk about how, how that was. I think that I hope that we all learn from our experiences, good and bad. Right. So this idea that even from a super young age, um, I mean, I'm talking five, six and seven, I would go look to see where could I audition or, but that idea of walking in a room in front of people, singing, speaking, acting, whatever it might be. And then looking at you and saying, yeah, you're too tall. You're too short. You're, we don't like the sound of your voice. You're not right for this. All of those little rejections along the way, I think build fortitude to say, okay, but that's not what defines me as a person. That's not who I am. This is your choice in that moment. I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to train my voice, but you still can't control all of the factors. You can only control as much as you can. And then it's your response to the situation. Um, I think that has given me some fortitude as you go through and anybody who's gone through higher education I always say like by my time I got much of my PhD, it was not just jump through the hoops, but they like seem to light the hoops on fire to, you've got to be, you've got to have some sustenance to get through this process of life um, as a mom, as a, whatever it might be. Yeah. And, and often I think um, the message you get is not good enough, mm -hmm. right? It's not necessarily all, all the different things that perhaps might not be right for that role or that part, but we're hearing, I think, especially young girls and women, not good enough. Did that ever, did you ever feel that way? Or did you just understand that, that you were not right for that particular role? Oh, no, I think I lived very much in the, I am not good enough okay. for a lot of things for a long time. Um, I think it probably took into my 30s, 40s until I okay. said, you know, I've got to be authentic to me, whoever that mm -hmm. is, right. or who that is, and yes. authentic to my values and my morals as a human being to say, I'm sorry, that's not good enough for you in this moment, but this is who I am. But um, no, I don't, I don't think that that's something that I had throughout because 
girls are judged all the time. Women are judged all the time um, on what they look like, what they sound like. Are you too aggressive? Are you not aggressive enough? Um, in everyday aspects of what we do, are you the Pinterest mom who makes the cupcakes? Are you the person who brings the juice boxes? Not that it makes a difference, but <laughs> you're being constantly judged um, by all of those things. Um, and that that is a hard that's a challenge for many of yeah. us. I, I think a lot of the viewers and listeners have, have definitely heard of um, speech pathologists, but not necessarily voice pathologists. So first I wanted to know, when did you recognize that that could be a profession for you? Um, and how did that come to be? And then describe the difference. For the Absolutely. Viewers. So um, speech pathology is a big, broad field. So think of it almost like if you go to medical school, you come out as a generalist and then you find your specialty area, whether that's surgery or um, ENT or respiratory, whatever it might be, pediatrics. So speech pathology is similar. We have this big pie and there's neurogenic speech disorders, there's child language, there's a fluency and voice is a small slice of that pie. And even a smaller slice of that pie within the world of voice and upper airway is um, singing voice specialty and voice specialist. And I knew, um, I think it was probably my junior, maybe senior year of college um, of my undergraduate. And I had, again, I will say right place at right time, but just an amazing mentor. And I was taking a vocal pedagogy voice science class. And this was a woman who is still a mentor to me to this day in her 80s. I sit on her porch and have iced tea with her whenever I can get the chance. Um, but I fell in love and got super passionate about voice science. And I thought, I'm going to go back to school and be an otolaryngologist. Um, or I, I had never, I mean, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know that was something you could study. It, 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 yes, but it's really come to fruition. I was one of the first people, I think, that actually had like an undergraduate degree in musical theater that then went on to do this because we saw it happen in singing teachers where you could be a singing teacher or you could be an ear, nose, throat physician, or you could be a speech pathologist working on the speaking voice. But what I wanted to do is kind of marry that. And I got super fortunate I actually came to Philadelphia to observe a very famous otolaryngologist there. Um, I, I, if I'm allowed to say it, Dr. Bob Sadoloff, who is, is still there, the Voice Foundation. And he was kind enough to let this naive young 20-something observe him in his practice. Um, and, you know, he's, I had no idea at the time, like he is like so high up on the food chain of, of the voice world that I just wrote him a letter and his and said, can I come observe you, please? And he was kind enough to let me observe. I love also... that. I love that story so much because I think that's, I think people don't understand that a simple, genuine note can often lead to opportunity. People assume, oh, I can't talk to that person. They're way up here. Um, but take, you know, take that chance and do it. And you did. Yeah. I mean, take that leap of faith. I'm, yeah. And Oh my gosh, I think if I had known who he was now, then um, I would have probably never written that note because he was he was the man, right? And so anyway, uh, he was kind enough. I now actually 
um, you know, we've been professional colleagues now for 20 plus years, but that sort of changed that. And I thought I'm going to do speech pathology. I decided I didn't want to go to med school at that time. Um, little did I know I was going to go straight through my master's and PhD, but that was <laughs> neither here nor there. I probably could have spent the time in, in school, um, yeah. but I love my career. Um, I've had the opportunity to do I mean, passionate about what I do and people's voices, helping people get better, communicate. You have the ALS specialist on later, which is yes, just amazing. I'm because the irony of that. Oftentimes during the process, the degenerative process of ALS, people start to lose their ability to communicate. Um, and voice is one of those things. So yes. near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Well, you're, you're considered a pioneer. Mm -hmm. So if I were to ask you, describe exactly what it, is that you developed or recognized um, or discovered um, that sets you apart from the separate studies of voice versus speech? I think How probably the biggest, yeah, the biggest thing, and I know we're coming up on time here, is that the vocal athlete, the idea of the voice, the vocal athlete as the physiologic we have stamina, agility, flexibility to meet market demands, whether it's eight shows a week on Broadway, just like your Eagles, <laughs> you know, we, they're professional athletes, my vocal athletes, that idea of thinking comprehensively about vocal athletes in the performing singing world. Wow. Yeah. It's so exciting. Well, we're going to dive into that more in um, the second half of the show. And of course, the, the diversity of your clients um, you know, that you get to work with performers and, you know, singers, but also executives, doctors. So we're going to dive more into that when we come back. Stay with us and I'll be back with Dr. Wendy LeBourne. We'll be right back. We are CHOP. And we can't wait to show you around. We're the nation's first children's hospital. Now, a care network with more than 50 locations that continues to expand. Three state-of-the-art research buildings with 1.5 million square feet of space. We have grown from 12 beds 165 years ago to nearly 600 beds and one of the best children's hospitals in the world. We have a level one trauma center, 11 floors of patient units, more than 20 operating rooms, first-of-its-kind delivery unit for babies with birth defects, a separate cardiac operative and catheterization suite, and places to learn, like our internationally recognized simulation center. We have trained generations of leaders in the field of pediatrics. We are world leaders in medicine, surgery, and science. One of the top recipients in NIH funding for pediatric research. In this building, pioneers in CAR-T therapy, mitochondrial disease, brain tumors, hyperinsulinism, and other rare diseases. Here, groundbreaking work in fetal surgery, genetics and genomics, and neurology. In our newest building, leaders in social determinants of health, clinical informatics and epidemiology, autism, trauma and injury prevention, our patients come from every state and 115 countries.
Meeting these challenges requires the best and the brightest. We are passionate about pediatrics. We are motivated to make a difference in the world and in our community. We are a team. We are CHOP. stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm joined this week by Dr. Wendy LeBourne, who is a clinical voice pathologist and also a communications coach. So I'm trying to pay very close attention to (laughs) my communication style here today, doing my breathing, my deep breathing. Um, One of the things I was really curious about is that you work internationally. And I wondered if you have noticed cultural differences in the voice between um, people from different places, anything that has stood out to you? Absolutely. I think, first of all, there is some research behind that as sort of a, a little bit of a research science nerd. I think that that's really important. But we do know both in cultural communication bias, we have Um, gender communication bias. We have generational communication bias. Um, And so it's not right or wrong. It just is. So for example, if we just take the United States, pre-1960, women's voices across the board, if we looked at the pitch or the fundamental frequency of women's voices, it was slightly higher than it is today. In the 1960s, women came to the table for the first time with men in a in a different way. And so what we saw, especially in the North, is the average, what we call fundamental frequency or the pitch of the voice drop in women, because we know that in men, men who have lower pitched voices, hold positions of higher leadership, they have bigger portfolios, they father more children actually, not just in the human kingdom, but also in the animal kingdom, um, which is kind of fascinating. But what we know is that happened even today. So in different countries, we do see pitch is something we are aware of. Because if I talked up here like this, it kind of gives you a different impression of me than Mm -hmm. if I talked down here like this. Um, We might go to that complete extreme where we heard, say, uh, Elizabeth Holmes' voice from Thernos, who was affected. And we got like really down here. And, And so... Uh, and that was what, purposeful. Am I right? Was, yes, she did that. That is purpose. my understanding. I don't know her personally, so I right. can't say that it was. Yes. There are recordings of her earlier on in her life, and it didn't sound like that. Okay. Um, and there are there are people that we can track across time and look at voices, but I think the authenticity of voice, regardless of culture, regardless of gender is the most important element uh, when we think about communicating with someone. Um, But there are cultural rules and standards and how we communicate in situations. Um, So I mentioned the diversity of your clients. 
is there, and you've, um, I know that you have worked with notable people. Can you mention any, or is that confidential? Because I'd love to know if there's a memorable client, one of your favorite clients. There are, I, I, I don't mention them simply for their privacy because similar to, I guess, not similar to an athlete, like in the athletic world, we can look at a baseball roster or a football roster and know who's on injured reserve or is going to have surgery and how long they're going to be out for. In the performing arts world, and honestly, in the speaking world, whether you're a preacher, a lawyer, whatever it might be, um, it's almost taboo a lot of times to talk about a vocal injury or a vocal issue. We have certainly mm -hmm. seen performers that have been more forthcoming um, with talking about their vocal injuries, but it is not quite in the same realm as the athletic world. So just for the purposes of privacy, I would maintain that. Um, yeah. But I can tell you, yes, I absolutely have memorable clients. And I would say that my greatest joy in what I do is helping somebody be able to go from injury back to performance and then getting to go to that speaking engagement or performance oh, where they wow. close their deal effectively yes. because yes. their voice and their communication is working for them. Um, that's probably my biggest joy in watching my clients, all of them. Yeah. How about different groups? So you work with performers, mm -hmm. doctors, politicians, obviously speakers. Mm -hmm. Is there a group that you haven't tapped into yet that you'd like to, that you think could use your expertise? I think that, first of all, I think women in leadership are, are, are women who don't recognize that their voice is impacting um, how people perceive them until it goes really wrong then I see it like in crisis management mode as opposed to preventative or maximization mode. Um, from a vocal injury standpoint, I would say sometimes some of the announcers and some of the coaches I hear for sports teams, I would love to get my hands on their voices. <laughs> I'm not sure their voice matters tremendously to them um, uh, in what they do. But yeah, there are a few that I say, oh my gosh, like, their voice maybe doesn't matter to them as much as it matters to me um, in what I listen to. Do you th do we hear our own voice or do we hear it differently? So we will hear it. We will perceive it differently. Perceive it. Okay. Right. And so I tell folks it's kind of like standing naked in front of the mirror. Most of us don't like to do that. When you record yourself and play yourself back, you're getting a fairly accurate reflection of what you sound like to somebody else. Mm. The majority of people that I know don't particularly care to listen to their own voices. And we pick out our flaws, just like looking in the mirror naked. We pick out all of the things that are wrong instead of looking at the things that are right. And similar to building strengths in other areas of our lives, it is easier to build on our strengths than try to fix every little flaw and weakness. Um, most most of the general population doesn't recognize the weaknesses in our voice that we do. I, I wanted to talk about your, your book, The Vocal Athlete. Mm -hmm. Tell the viewers, what is that about? I know it's, it's, it's doing fabulous. <laughs> it is, it's actually primarily a, a textbook. Um, the, the, the 
for the general population version hopefully will be out in some version in the next six to 12 months, which will be really targeted at more um, communicators who want to maximize their voice in everyday communication. But the Vocal Athlete textbook and my co-author Marcy Rosenberg on that, um, we are just contracted for our third edition of that. And it is about uh, everything from how the voice works physiologically to how you train it and maximize it um, in traditionally non-classical styles of voice use. So musical theater, pop, rock, R&B, et cetera. Um, just like different sports, you go to the gym and you strengthen, but a baseball player's um, fitness goals look different than a football player's, look different than a basketball player, mm -hmm. even if we're all throwing the ball. Um, and so when we think about a vocal athlete, we have to think about what the market demands, whether you're in a courtroom or a boardroom or behind a pulpit or singing on a Broadway stage. What do you need to connect? How do you do that job efficiently and effectively every single day and minimize the risk of injury? Um, you know, your larynx is made up of cartilages and ligaments and muscles, just like your knee. And we can maximize strength and stability. Uh, in what you do so that you can be very authentic in your communication. That's a, that's an important word. I think about, you know, you do love to help women. And, you know, this show is about women in leadership roles. And I'm wondering if you can describe, you know, when you get an, a new woman client who wants to be impactful when she's speaking, what steps do you take? What does that look like at the beginning, you know, that first session with her? Absolutely. I think that is so important because they have my clients and I together work on what is your vocal vision? Like, what do you envision as being your best version of yourself? I don't want you to be somebody else. Correct. I will often ask who they perceive to be good, influential speakers. Mm. So, I mean, I'm just throwing names out here, but so Michelle Obama often comes up, Oprah Winfrey often comes up, um, sometimes Sheryl Sandberg, just speakers that they like. So we sort of start to ferret out what is it that you like about them as speakers? Is it the message that they deliver? Is it how they make you feel great? And so we start to create this vocal vision. And similar to any other vision board, we can take out the things we don't want our voice to be. My job then is to break it down and say, okay, this is where you're starting. How do we break this down into tangible goals for you to reach that ultimate goal of what your vocal vision is? Um, and that's different for everybody. It's not just about, uh, people sometimes listen to what I say and they think, oh my gosh, I've got to have a lower voice because my voice is too high. And that's not the actuality of it. It's finding your authentic voice to be able to connect effectively and emotionally with somebody else um, in what you do and sustain that in every situation that you need to communicate in. I wanted to, this is a um, physiological question. People who regularly lose their voice mm -hmm. um, from, you know, projecting and, um, perhaps uh, spending a weekend at a wedding and coming home and they lose their voice that Monday, always what's going on there. And is it, is it dangerous? Is, you know, does it mean something's going on there that should be corrected or looked at? 
Great question. So the general... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Rule of thumb is if you have hoarseness that persists for more than seven to 10 days in the absence of illness or injury, you should probably have that looked at by an otolaryngologist or ENT. Those are the same thing. Your nose throat physician, the official name is otolaryngologist, where they can image your vocal folds. as far as is that normal, we have to think about it again as vocal dose and load. So if you are not a conditioned athlete and you go run a marathon, you're probably not gonna be able to walk for like three days. Um, If you are not somebody who is a loud talker or you're not using your voice efficiently, similar to if your running gait's not efficient and you go to a wedding or a party where you're having to talk over noise for a period of time, you fatigue, sometimes you get swelling on the vocal folds. There's a plethora of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, in the short term, that's generally not horrible because uh, there's an inciting incident. If it's something that happens consistently, or if you're a professional speaker and you need your voice, we can't have you fatiguing after each event that you do. So there are absolutely things that we can do physiologically to make you both more efficient in how you speak um, as well as strengthen the system to meet what your demands are. Um, so you mentioned your boys at the mm-hmm. top of the show. You're a mom. And I always like to um, give my guests the opportunity to talk about. First, I ask this question because we kind of live in a frenetic world. And as a mom, um, what kind of conversations do you have with your boys um, in helping to prepare them to go out into the world, obviously presenting themselves in the best fashion, but also what, what do you worry about for them? Um, you know, what kind of, as a mom, what keeps you up at night thinking about what they have to go out and face today that certainly we didn't when we were kids? Oh my gosh. Yes. And I will say that like, I have to bring my, my husband into the conversation too, because he's, I, we have to make these decisions together and be on the same page with, with yeah. our boys. Cause it takes a little bit of an army. And honestly, with my one son, sometimes a, a multitude of friends, as well. <laughs> <laughs> the village, the village has to be the, there. The village yeah. of friends. Yes. Um, for me, I, I, it's so timely that you're saying this. I have a senior in high school. So we're at the place wow. where we're making some college decisions. And yeah. he's my first to fly the nest. What keeps me awake at night is, oh my gosh, have I taught my son what he needs to know to be a good man, to be successful in his life, to be proud of himself, um, and to be self-sufficient. Um, my youngest is 13, so he's not quite there yet, but that's a different set. I think as I think about them going into the world, social media for me is huge. Um, mm-hmm. The Honestly, the gun violence, uh, as, as I look at sending my son to college, um, yeah. what, what does that look like? They've not known a world without this. Um, 
and then and how do I prepare them? Um, I think just open, honest conversations with them on a regular basis. Um, social media, technology, it's not going away. Um, so understanding to how to use it responsibly, um, self-monitoring, which is super hard, even for the best of us uh, as adults, let yes, alone as yes. teenagers. Um, and then just making choices that are true to themselves in their careers, in their lives, in their relationships. Um, and hopefully with them knowing that we will love and support them, regardless of the decisions they make, good or bad. <laughs> Is there, so are my family or our our family mantra pretty much when my kids left, I always said, make good choices, make good choices. Is there a mantra that you have with your kids? Something that when they become adults and say, mom always said. Oh my gosh. I think, um, I, I think I always say, in fact, this morning, Lee, make good choices. Yeah. Think before you speak, think before you act. Um, before you post. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, Although our youngest doesn't really have a lot of social media because we've had to revoke the privileges there. <laughs> um, my oldest doesn't do a lot of posting, which is interesting because he's an athlete. And uh, when we were having that? the discussion on colleges, that yeah. is something that all college coaches and pretty much every school that we looked at initially, they want to know your Twitter, your Instagram, your and he just Correct. doesn't do a lot of engagement in that. And that was one of the things that we said, if this is not you, that's fine. Um, and we're okay with that. Yeah, that is good. I, I do think just in general, boys post less than girls. Mm -hmm. We're just more social. We want to mm -hmm. share and talk, you know. Different um, modes of communication. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we have one minute left. Um, leave our viewers, the women in particular, um, advice. Um, you obviously created a beautiful, wonderful life for yourself, a profession, um, and, and you're at the top of your field. Um, some women still haven't found that confidence yet to take that step, particularly if it's a second act. Yeah. So what bit of advice would you leave with them? Yeah. And I will say that I'm in my second act. I had a massive COVID pivot that rocked my world, which we don't have time for, but that's, yeah. but that I think be brave, um, have a support system, even if it's a friend. I don't always find that people in my profession are that it's, it's usually the outside view. Um, mm -hmm. And I think trust the process. Um, I believe there's a purpose for everyone's life here. And I think it's sometimes hard to find that purpose and figure that out. And what's my purpose and what's the purpose for my life might not be the same thing, but be brave and trust that process. Um, that, that, that's what I would leave you with. It's easier yeah. said than done sometimes for yeah. sure. But you're right. It, it, it's good advice. Just, just knowing that, you know, I'm here to be doing something and it mm -hmm. might take 10, 20 tries to find it. Yes. Often it does. Yes. Yeah. Learn from your failures. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me and taking time out of your busy schedule. So thank you so much for having me. I was such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. Uh, stay with us and we'll be right back after the break. Action News, celebrating 50 years of AccuWeather. 
If you think severe weather has been on the rise, you are correct. In the last three years, tornado warnings in our region have shattered records. With 52 last year alone, half of those warnings resulted in confirmed tornadoes, including two extremely rare EF3s. Thanks for always trusting us to keep you informed. 50 Years of AccuWeather is sponsored by Independence Blue Cross. Choose coverage you can count on with the region's strongest network. Whether you're just getting started, already well on your way, planning for your future, drafting your vision, growing toward greatness, or finding that dreams really can come true. Whatever your next steps are, we'll be right here with you, just like we have been for 150 years. Start here, grow here, stay here. Penn Community Bank, here we grow. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Post Game Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post Game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Lindsay Avramitis. Lindsay is an entrepreneur, an artist, advocate, and an edutropic individual. That's my own little word I made up for her. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Hi, Sherry. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm so happy that you were able to join us today. 11 years ago, Lindsay started experiencing symptoms, but she didn't know what was wrong. Ten years ago, she was diagnosed with ALS. I would like you to bring you up to speed so she can tell you all about what I have been reading a lot about her and listened to so many of her powerful words. And my favorite quote is, I am totally capable of still giving back to the world by transforming something incredibly devastating into something beautiful. Lindsay was born in Jackson, Wyoming, grew up in Washington, D.C., and went to college in Hampshire, in, went to college at Hampshire College in Western Massachusetts, where she studied visual and theater arts, mythology, and ancient cultural studies. She also traveled to France to attend classes to become a professional puppeteer. She came back to the States and graduated from Hampshire College. After she graduated, she headed straight to New York and became successful in the arts rather quickly acting, dancing, and being a puppeteer, and also received her certification in massage therapy and was studying herbalism. That's a lot, Lindsay. It was 2011 or 12 when something started to change. Lindsay, please tell us your story. Take it away. Okay. <laughs> well, um, my, when I turned 30, 
Estonian having a hard time chasing after the subway and noticing that something was not quite right with my body. And for a while, we had no idea what was happening. And it took about a year to be diagnosed. And um, yeah, it's been a wild decade. And I'm, I've since moved out to New Jersey and I'm living with my mom at the Toshiko Takayasu Artist Residency Program. Um, so for all of you doing the math, and as Lindsay said, it's been a decade, it's been 10 years when she was finally diagnosed. And Lindsay, with the amazing help from her mother, wonderful mother, Karen, who's also an artist, um, has created a new, new lifestyle, uh, creating recipes using herbs, vegetables, grains, and nuts, a Vitamix, and her art to nourish her body and soul. I think she's onto something with the combination of everything she's doing because it's working. Um, these are some of the things that she shares with others who have disabilities or quadriplegics, have ALS and other debilitating health issues. She has a website called Alchemy for the Soul, S-O-L-E. Lindsay, please tell us a little bit about your website and include the reason soul is spelled S-O-L-E versus S-O-U-L. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I feel like my purpose with ALS is to physically manifest in a different way. And I feel very strongly that I am alchemizing my ALS into something, you know, alchemy is turning lead into gold. And um, I learned how to paint with my feet. And so that's why it's S-O-L-E. Yes, and you've done an incredible job adapting your feet to painting. When I, when I watch some of the videos, I have the urge to run out, get some paint, stick my feet in it. But it's so much fun. Yeah, I think I'm going to come over and I'm going to have a painting party with you, a painting tea party with you, because I know you're going to. Um, she also, you also do a lot of work creating your own potions, oils, and brews. And as I read about you and watch programs, you said, "True art is when you surrender yourself to the process. You don't have your ego, and you let yourself follow a muse." This, I feel, is your lifestyle. It is such a pure intention. You try new things and you're inspired by many times by your own creations to do more all the time. Mm -hmm. You mentioned to me you are currently designing online classes for people who are fighting illnesses and tend to be silenced. Um, 
this is you you want them to continue to live well and find joy you call this class singing for your soul singing your soul free please tell us about this class yeah so the class i have been dreaming about for about a year now and um you know i'm really feel like I've learned a few things in my time with LS, and I really want to share all of it with others. And one thing I found was, you know, my voice has obviously changed. And for a while, I was so convinced that I could not sing anymore. And that broke my heart. But I decided that that was not true and that I could sing if I want. And singing has actually been helping me to speak better and breathe better and has helped my whole outlook on life really um and i really truly feel that sound therapy singing being authentic to your own voice is what we all really need and so I'm having an online class with um, seven wonderful people. And we meet once a month. And I lead them through meditations and lectures. And then we sing together. And it is so joyful. Yeah, it's, uh, I admire what you're doing, and I think it's wonderful that you're helping other people through similar situations. Um, mm -hmm. you, you were talking about as you go, as things develop with ALS, a lot of people lose their voice and, and are afraid to talk in front of other people and be heard and feel as though because they don't sound the same, they, they don't want to use their voice. So it's so important that they get over what other people think and, and they're heard despite how they feel they sound. I think it's wonderful. You, you had mentioned another program that you're involved with called Art Lifting. Can you tell us a little bit about Art Lifting? Yeah, Art Lifting is an organization that um, works with disabled and homeless artists and they help them sell their artwork to the public. Um, and they've been really, really helpful with me feeling like I'm a valid artist. I can post diagnosis. Great. 
and you you mentioned also uh, IMALS. It, that that's more of a patient-led organization that provides critical support to people living with ALS, mm -hmm. their caregivers, and loved ones. Um, correct. So it's not as as much into the artwork, but more about the care. Yeah, they're an amazing ALS organization, um, as well as compassionate care. I would say those two organizations and the ALS Association have been essential for my well-being. Yeah, it's it's great that there are organizations like that that can help everybody. Mm -hmm. um, your classes and the information on your website are free, and you do accept monetary donations because I know living and needing assistance full time is very costly. Um, you've done some different mm -hmm. Kickstarter fundraising programs. Um, I was on the phone this morning with uh, the ALS Association and. Um, hopefully we'll be able to start a program that, you know, um, we'll be able to raise some more funds, not just for you, but for other people. And um, you sell herbs, oils, and tinctures that you've created and an assortment of greeting cards using some of your recent soul artwork. Um, they are available on your website, which is alchemyofthesoul.com. And mm -hmm. Etsy, um, I love and I love your personal photo shoots, which I don't think you've done anything with yet, but I hope you do. The concept of decorating your body with artwork, nature, and props is so much fun. <laughs> I look forward to them every time you post them. I I laugh. They're beautiful. Um, your mother does an amazing job with a lot of makeup, and the caregivers get involved uh, with setting up props. You have a photographer come in and you do photo shoots. Some of the photos are fabulous. Um, I particularly like Blackbird. And mm. I think it was referred to as everyone's favorite unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Earth goddess. Uh, and I'm not sure what the one is called with the moon. And you have long white eyelashes on it. But it's called, I call mm. it. So there are a few of the photo shoots that you have that I hope that you'll share somehow. Um, you think you're made into cards or something else that you'll be able to sell? Yeah, my plan is to have both a book, um, a calendar, and note cards. Great. And with every photo shoot, I write a little thing about why that particular. Um, look is important for me. Yeah, yeah, the looks are great. <laughs> so anyway, your new classes will be available soon on alchemyofthesoul.com. Mm -hmm. And do you have do you have any idea when they're going to start or they have started once a month? Is that what you said? Yeah, the class for my fellow disabled people. Is already happening, but I also want to open that up my my knowledge base that I've gained. I think can be applicable 
to everyone. So I want to share it. Yeah, I think it's important for caretakers and family to understand mm -hmm. everything as well. Is there anything yeah. else? Anything else you would like to share? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I want to say that I think one of the most important things to remember is that expectations on how your life should be only gets you into trouble. And that if you can work on accepting yourself as you are and then relishing in it, um, you will find a way to be so fully I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to thank you for sharing your wealth of knowledge. We're out of time. Thank you for your knowledge and your experiences so others have a better understanding of living with ALS, being a quadriplegic, and other debilitating diseases. Hopefully your information and classes will be healing and therapeutic for others. So they may continue living happy and a joyous life like you and me. Thank you. Thank you. Sue will be right back to close out the show. Ladies, keep living your dreams. Plan your day with confidence. Definitely want to keep the umbrellas on hand. And keep your family safe with action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Well over seven inches of rain. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising right now. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. On TV, on 6abc.com, and on our streaming apps. And that's when we go severe weather mode and on the air for you. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust. Whether you're just getting started, already well on your way, planning for your future, drafting your vision, growing toward greatness, or finding that dreams really can come true, whatever your next steps are, we'll be right here with you, just like we have been for 150 years. Start here, grow here, stay here. Penn Community Bank. Here we grow. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. 
Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. That's it for another week of Women to Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Next week, I'm going to be speaking to Patricia Wellenbach, the CEO of the Please Touch Museum here in Philadelphia. Thank you, as always, to Katiri, our fabulous producer, and all of our watch team members and sponsors. Have a great week, everyone. Now, the Women to Watch, Military Watch. Those of you who caught even a portion of last week's State of the Union address may be wondering who those military representatives in uniform in the first row are and why do they sit there without any expression. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. Well, actually, the lack of response by the Joint Chiefs is one of the cornerstones of our American democracy. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, is the senior ranking member of the Armed Forces and, as such, is the principal advisor to the President and reports to both the President and the Secretary of Defense. You will have noticed the other members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in attendance, and they represent the Army, Marines, Navy, Air Force, National Guard Bureau, and Space Operations. Now, the big question, why do they just sit there? One cornerstone of our democracy is civilian control of the military, as outlined in the Constitution. This ensures that the power to take military action remains in the hands of civilian leadership. This relationship requires a nonpartisan military. The widely held view is that a military that is nonpartisan is able to serve the sovereign American people, regardless of party and to defend all Americans, regardless of their affiliation. This, in turn, protects and enables the process of American democracy to occur without fear of military intervention to shape or mandate a particular political outcome. Its nonpartisan culture is arguably one of the reasons that the U.S. military is one of the most trusted institutions in the eyes of the American public. Now, during the State of the Union speech, you will note that the chiefs do not even applaud, rise, or even change their facial expressions. But there is one exception to this, and that is when the U.S. military and the mission of the troops is recognized. So, now you know. Action News, celebrating 50 years with AccuWeather. Over the last five decades, our winters have been getting warmer due to climate change. In Philadelphia, our average winter temperature is up five degrees. And we're breaking more record highs than lows. Thanks for always trusting us to keep you informed. 50 Years of AccuWeather is sponsored by Independence Blue Cross. Choose coverage you can count on with the region's strongest network. 